Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is a podcast about essentially international politics, geopolitics, however you want to say it, but it's interesting because this man is a vast wealth of knowledge and you've got many years under your belt of learning about this stuff, Dr. Keith. Excellent at communicating it. We take a situation, something that's going on in the world, we break it down for you. One specific situation every week in this podcast. You've got a couple of PhDs in international relations type topics and you just, you've been a commentator in Australian media for years on this stuff, Keith. And people keep coming back to you. And my name's Kate Mack. We've been working together in TV and radio for a couple of years now. So, Dr. Keith, the US election, this was huge. <laughs> it was expected in the lead up to it that Trump would win, although people were sceptical because the polls had been wrong before, as we know, and then it ended up being exactly what everyone didn't want it to be, which was a knife's edge because there's no clear, yes, there's a clear winner, but it wasn't so clear, was it? No, it's not at all very clear. And both sides would be happy and unhappy with the results. So if we look at the Democrats uh, under Joe Biden, a personal example of persistence and ability to overcome personal tragedies, a remarkable story of uh, of him with the Democratic Party. But there was no what's called a blue wave. American politics is very confusing. So the left is called blue and the right is called red. So people get confused. So they were talking about a blue wave that was going to sweep across the United States. So in the um, election, which has just been held, uh, you've not only got the president and vice president up for election, but also about a third of the Senate and all of the lower house. And the prediction was that there would be this blue wave that would sweep all the way across America. So not only would the Democrats win the White House, but they would also get control of the Senate, which at the moment they don't have and they would maintain and expand control of the lower house. Uh, that's That didn't happen. Biden squeezed in. There's no doubt in my mind that, that he is the president, although Trump is still trying to uh, delay this by all sorts of legal challenges. But I think Biden can be counted on as being the new president. The Australian prime minister, the British prime minister, have all rung him to congratulate him on his victory. So I think that that's... That's generally sorted out. In the Senate, however, the Republicans have not done too badly. They may yet still end up maintaining control over the Senate, which means that the problems that Obama had with not being able to get legislation through the upper house will continue in this new era for Biden, still not being able to get legislation through the Senate. And the lower house, in fact, the Democrats actually, by looks of it, may have lost a seat or two. So they've actually done uh, worse in that respect. So it's been a very interesting result. From Trump's point of view, he attracted a record number of votes. He received more votes than he did four years ago. He received more votes than any Republican presidential candidate had ever received. And he received more votes than President Obama did in his two runs for the White House. So Trump, his supporters are still there. So the you're right, the opinion polls got it wrong. It's interesting, one person who got it right doesn't actually follow opinion polls. Professor Alan Lickman, which we've looked at in this series. Months ago, Professor Lickman, an American academic, who's an historian, not a political scientist, he doesn't read opinion polls, but he's an historian, and he said, look, there are a number of key factors 
that help me to predict correctly who will get into the White House. And he's been getting this correct time after time after time since the time of President Ronald Reagan. It's a remarkable record of success. So he uh, doesn't look at opinion polls. He simply asks a number of questions like, what is the state of the economy? What is the state of the governing party, etc.? And according to him, he acknowledged it was going to be close, but he expected a Biden victory. So he was predicting that at a time when a lot of other commentators who'd had their fingers badly burned in 2016, like me, were being super cautious. Remember, at the end, I was beginning to follow the advice of Michael Moore and accepting that Trump could win in November and getting a lot of criticism for it. But, of course, Trump did win in November. It's the biggest election upset four years ago that America has received since 1948 and President Truman. And so Trump began his career in the White House with a great disruption and he's going to leave via a great disruption as well proving the pulses were wrong and, in effect, saying, look, I've been a disruptor and I will continue doing that. It's quite interesting, though, because, you know, the polls were wrong in the terms of the margins, right? But but people lost sight. I think a lot of the commentators lost sight. They did focus on that so much that there's not this really clear mandate. But it's still historic because you don't often get a one-term president. No, it's very rare. Most presidents do get a second term. Uh, George Bush Sr. didn't get one. Jimmy Carter didn't get one. So it's not automatic that you get a second one. But Trump, yes, is is certainly joining an elite group of people who failed. Mm. And that's not exactly going to play to his ego well, which we're seeing play out, you know. (laughs) Well, he's simply not accepting defeat. And if you watch the Trump media, they're all saying, yeah, it's not settled. And there's one media, major media outline here in Australia that still says, well, the thing's not settled. But that's interesting, though, because Fox News is the most sympathetic, obviously, to Trump. It's a very right-wing public uh, broadcast over there, owned by Rupert Murdoch. But I have seen evidence that they're cutting into his media secretary's speeches recently and said, actually, that's inaccurate. Yep. We, we can't let her go on and that. We so can't after talk. four years, the media are now beginning to pay attention to... <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Finally, yeah, four years late. But yeah. there is no evidence of a voter fraud either, is there, Keith? Like what, 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 you know, he's about to go to court, but what actually, what's the reality there? Yeah, well, you can't just rock up at court. You've got to have reasons to be there, and you certainly don't go straight to the Supreme Court. It's got to arrive at the Supreme Court via a lower court, which in the year 2000 was via Florida. But Florida went to Trump quite convincingly. Mm. So that's not in dispute, but there are still some others that are in dispute. But there's been no evidence at the moment of widespread fraud. We just have to wait and see. Yes, because I've seen that his lawyers are sort of outlining things like, you know, one of the charges they've come up with is just lack of transparency. Now, that's very broad. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know how, yeah, it just, you don't, you go, well, if you went to court on that, is it broad enough to win just because... We go, what's the definition of transparency in a... a And that's what we have to wait and see. It's Mm. really for the Trump lawyers to come up with the evidence. So the ball is back in their court. Now, what it is also doing is disrupting the transition. So normally what happens is that the president who loses um, makes a gracious speech accepting defeat and then the, the winner accepts that concession and congratulates the other side for putting up a good fight so to speak, and then explains what they're going to do 
as they uh, get ready for the White House. So if you think back to last Sunday afternoon Australian time, I was broadcasting for three and a half hours. We were waiting for Trump to make that concession speech, and he didn't. So we're in this weird situation that, that Biden claimed the victory without an acknowledgement of defeat by Trump. Now, there's no legal requirement for there to be a concession speech. Uh, it's just simply a tradition that began in the late 19th century and of the person who loses makes this very gracious speech. That is not the case. Now, the other problem as we speak today, as we record this, it's worth bearing in mind that there is what's called the Presidential Transition Act. So this is almost 60 years old. So it's legislation from Congress which provides, in today's money, it's now $10 million, to pay for an incoming president to be able to start his or her work. So one of the jobs for President-elect Biden will be 4,000 political appointments, 1,200 of whom have to go through the Senate. So, for example, every American ambassador around the world has now resigned. This, is, this happens automatically. And so the incoming president then has to appoint ambassadors for 200 countries. And I mention this because obviously Australia will have an American ambassador who I don't know him or her, but that person's gone. So the new president puts in their own mates. Now, sometimes if the country is important, they get a significant diplomat. If the country is an ally that the government can take for granted, like Australia, then you tend to get a major donor to whoever is the winning party. So maybe somebody who used to sell cars in Dallas or something. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. And that person retains the title ambassador until he dies or until she dies. So th this is the weird way the Americans behave. Americans don't have an honour system, but what they do have is a way of giving people titles which they retain after they leave office. So if Barack Obama were to walk into this room today, we would need to call him Mr President, even though he hasn't been in office for four years. And so if you're an ambassador, you are Madam Ambassador or Mr Ambassador until you die. So, and that obviously gives you a bit of a social cachet when you want to book a good table at a restaurant or whatever. So anyway, so we had this transition act, but we can't implement it because President Trump has not made his concession speech and, and has told the head of the General Services Administra uh, Administration, which is an agency of the US government that never gets any publicity. So Emily Murphy, who's a Trump appointee and has managed to hold on to a job for four years, presumably because Trump didn't even know she existed. <laughs> so <laughs> unlike, say, secretaries of defence that keep coming and going. So Emily Murphy is saying, well, I can't implement the act uh, because the president has not conceded and the president is, is still challenging the result. So valuable time is being lost. Now, Biden is still going ahead. He's making a announcements for key positions and a lot of people are just working for free on the assumption that when you know the money starts flying through they'll get backdated wages <laughs> you're listening to global truths with dr keith Suter. we're talking about the american political situation at the moment it's uh it's just well it's it's 
so fascinating. Trump's lost the election, won't concede. There's this question mark over everything. He's making lawsuits left, right and centre about all the all the questionable states where um, he lost by a couple of thousand votes. So he's asking for recounts and launching legal action. And, and then, of course, there's Joe Biden, who is the president-elect, who has claimed victory days ago now. But, you know, Keith, even when he does become president, he inherits an absolute mess, and the amount of people you see that that that, that you've seen commentate on this from very influential positions, and they say they don't even know what he'd be able to accomplish in the next yeah. few years because the country is that divided. Yeah, so the country is pretty well divided 50-50. That, that, that's clear in the election result. Trump did brilliantly, he didn't win, but did brilliantly in the election. So he's still got a lot of supporters, 70 million people voted for him. The problem for Biden, as he's identified, is that COVID will be top of his priorities. So remember the COVID crisis, the coronavirus crisis, whatever you want to call it. Trump tried to talk that down. Trump was advised, as we now know, at the beginning of the year, that the crisis would be uh, lead to the lo- a lot of deaths. He, and he was talking about this in private to uh, a Washington insider journalist, Bob Woodward. So Woodward has got all that evidence. Uh, Trump in private is saying it's a bad situation, but in public was obviously hoping for somehow the virus, well, magically disappeared, to use the phrase that, that he used. So he he failed to take the sort of severe action uh, that we saw in, say, Australia or New Zealand or Taiwan. Now, admittedly, they closed down the economy and we've had immense dislocation, particularly in Australia and the state of Victoria, but... It worked. Now, we, we've gradually got on, so far anyway, it can always be reintroduced by people visiting this country. But at least we've, we've managed to stifle that first wave. Now, the problem for, for Biden is that already a quarter of a million Americans have died. So five times as many people have died because of COVID than were killed in the Vietnam War. So it, it's a major tragedy in the United States. The US government can only do certain amount. Clearly, having a president who wears a mask is a good start because it's encouraging the mask, uh, the, the mask wearing by other people. And he will certainly make more money available for the uh, personal protective equipment and that sort of thing. Um, so that'll be Biden's first challenge. It is interesting that by looks of it, the economy is picking up. Things are, are getting a bit better for the American economy despite this tragedy. And, of course, there are many people who are making money at this time. Jeff Bezos is richer now. He's the guy who owns Amazon. He's richer now than he was in February because people sitting at home are ordering things through Amazon or Uber or whatever. So you've still got some people who are making a lot of money while you've got others who are suffering. So these are going to be major issues that Biden is going to have to sort out. Whoever became president would need to sort out these issues. At least Biden, uh, in his uh, speech of acceptance, on Sunday, Australian time, was willing to acknowledge the role of education and science. So we've had four years with a president who's denied <laughs> the importance just, of science. He's had a, a, a an We just advisor. made things up, didn't he? Yeah, and he's had an advisor who a few days ago said that you should cut off the head of, your, of, uh, of the top medical expert and put it on a pike outside Washington <laughs> somewhere as a, as a warning to others. So you, you've got this, it's incredible, the irrational behaviour of certain, oh, this is a Trump supporter, uh, Steve Bannon, making this allegation or a suggestion. 
that uh, outrageous. It is outrageous. And this is Anthony Fauci, by the way, That's who's right. who's been involved in medical science over there for for decades, decades. Yeah, and yeah. is very well respected. And very well respected. And so I think that Biden has already made clear by his meeting on Monday, Australian time with his group of medical advisors that he's actually going to be listening to the experts. So that's a message of reassurance for people that he's going to take this uh, crisis seriously. But it will still be a real problem for Biden. So he's got to get on top of COVID. Um, You've got all the economic issues. You've got the fact that Trump alienated so many of America's traditional allies. So he's got to rebuild the bridges with the Europeans. And he's got to work out what's going to be done about China. As we've argued in these podcasts, the rise of China, or I think return of China, is a major historical turning point in the history of the world, and it's going to be a headache for whoever is in the White House. Now, Trump's approach was to be very aggressive, which has brought out the aggression in China, whereas what we're seeing, with I think, with Biden would be someone who's a little more careful in his language, but is still presented with the same problem. China intends to be the number one country in the world by 2049, which is the 100th anniversary of the communist revolution. And so America has to get used to that becoming number two. This is going to be a major issue in American politics for whoever was going to handle it. Now, Trump was not particularly consistent how he handled that crisis. He, he identified the right crisis, but he handled it badly. We have to wait and see if Biden is going to be handling it in any better way. Well, there was, no lack, there was such a lack of consistency. But for us as Australians, um, Keith, the China thing is the most important. And I've heard, again, I've heard commentary on this just saying, at least with Trump, you knew he would be strong with China. Whereas with Biden, do you think he will be as strong? Well, you can be strong, but you can also be irrational. Um, and this is the problem. You know, Trump was introducing what he called tariffs on Chinese goods, which the Chinese would pay. That's not right. Now, what he did was to impose tariffs on the imported Chinese goods, but it was Americans who paid those tariffs. And then he had to subsidise the American farmers who were being disadvantaged because stuff wasn't being imported into China. So it was a very chaotic... He had the right idea, but the wrong strategy. Now, I think with Biden, you're going to see someone who's not going to try to govern via tweets... He's going to work through committees. He's going to be much more balanced. From an Australian point of view, he's going to be a lot easier to deal with. He's a known entity in that respect. He's not going to behave irrationally. Of course, the problem for Scott Morrison is that America will now rejoin the Paris Agreement relating to climate change, will commit to decarbonising the American economy. Now, for four years, the Australian government has been able, whoever is in power, was able to say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're... We are relying on the United States. Trump has been their safety net, so to speak. That's now gone. And so the Americans and the British and the French will continue to put pressure on Australia. And the Prime Minister of the day, Scott Morrison, is now caught in a sandwich. On the one hand, he's got Britain and France and other West Europeans and also now the United States in January urging more action on climate change. And at the same time, he's got members of his own party and his junior coalition partner, the National Party, who deny that there's a problem with climate change. And Morrison has got to try to balance these ones out. So, I mean, this is another one. This is a watch this space because in the next couple of weeks we're going to have to keep coming back to this topic, aren't we? Because it's so crucial to our, our future as Australians. Absolutely. Dr Keith is always enlightening. Thank you. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. 
listener.